So you're you're a people person, right? You yeah. have a care for people. Where does that come from? Where where does that value come from? Did you know? I think about that, and I can't help but think that I became that, or I had the desire to help other people because that's what I needed for myself. Mm. I needed to give myself love and care. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of focusing on what I needed to do for my own growth, mm-hmm. I think it just... I expressed it outwardly to others. Yeah. I didn't really, I had no clue that's what I was doing, but as I reflect Mm -hmm. back on it, I can't help but think that played a role. Welcome to the America's Podcast, where we pursue what it means to become a next level neighbor creating a place we enjoy with the people we love. Today, I am glad to uh, introduce to you Katie Carrill. Katie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So Katie is a life coach. We'll talk a little bit about that. We're going to dive into what that means and and how uh, what, what program she walks through and uh, how it's benefited her so much in the past year. Uh, but we also want to talk a little bit about just kind of who you are. So you are, you're from America, correct? Born and raised or just right. got here early? No, born and raised. Okay, so born <laughs> and raised in Americus. So I'm new to Americus, and so I love asking people kind of their story of kind of life growing up in Americus. Things have kind of changed. Some things are still the same. So give me a little bit about your life kind of growing up in Americus, Georgia. Um, tell me a little bit about your family dynamics and uh, like, you know, did you have siblings? That kind of thing. So share, share a little bit about, about your life. So with Americus, I've always actually wanted to escape. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I always kind of felt like I didn't belong. And I think that I just assumed everybody carried the same beliefs and the same thoughts, and they weren't similar to mine. Mm-hmm. So instead of having an open mind and like going out to try to meet other people, I just kind of separated myself. Yeah. Um, but what I have learned over the years is that I was wrong. Mm-hmm. There's tons of amazing people in this town. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this town has a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't give it a chance. Yeah, yeah. So did you grow up in the city? Were you kind of out outside of the city a little bit? Um, so I grew up. On Kingsway, which is in the city, okay. and then when we were about eight, we moved to Lee Street, and then my dad lived out on Highway 19, Okay, uh, which is where I am now. All right. Um, so mostly in the city, but I also spent a lot of time in the country as well. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. So you, you mentioned kind of, you know, kind of having this perception and this perspective of life. Tell me some of those things that you kind of just grew up and was like, do other people think this way? Did it have to do with um, just kind of the framework of of, of 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 maybe religious things, or is it just personal preferences, or where where, where did you feel like that came from? Um, I feel like 
there were a lot of belief systems in place that did not resonate with me, resonate. Mm -hmm. um, I can recall hearing like racial slurs mm -hmm. and I did not like that. I did yeah. not believe that because someone's skin color was different than mine that they were different from me. I yeah. How like old were, were you at same. that time, you think, when you first started kind of hearing some of that? Really young. I can remember being, I think it was like in middle school, and we were walking around the block, and one of my friends said, I say the N-word. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even like to use that particular language. Um, and it takes a lot. I don't even, I struggle to take up for myself. Mm -hmm. So like it took, it takes a lot for me to speak up for other people, and I do wish that's something I was better at, but I think I have to get better at taking up with, for myself first. Mm -hmm. But I do remember at that particular age hearing someone say that, and I just, I took up for the people that she was speaking against. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's actually like a really proud moment of mine Yeah, <laughs> as a child because... How old were you at that point? I would say middle school. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. But, you know, I can recall hearing certain language and certain assumptions around just through, you know, day-to-day -day life and not mm -hmm. liking it and not believing yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so I didn't like that. And then I also was raised Southern Baptist, and I do believe in something greater than myself. Um but I believe it's broader than just mm -hmm. within the realm of Southern Baptist mm -hmm. beliefs. Um, so I just kind of separated myself, and I always wanted to escape. And I did at one point, and then I ended up back here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and... Now you're talking about like old, like later on in life, not when you were younger. You yeah. got away and then came back. No, no, no. Okay, all right. So, so I feel like I finally got out. I was actually married, and <laughs> I wanted to take a travel assignment, so I was an adult. Mm -hmm. I think I was like 22, something like that, 23, and I did a travel assignment in California for 13 mm -hmm. weeks. Um, and then when I returned from that assignment. Um, I had planned to do more of them, mm -hmm. and I was actually going through a divorce, mm -hmm. but then I ended up pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I ended up staying okay. and have a 13-year-old now. Yeah. Um, but about five years ago, I ended up going to California. I was going to quit nursing, mm -hmm. and... I'm getting way off track, sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's fine. That. It's fine. Um, so... I was super burnt out, and I did not know that I could continue to work as a nurse. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to go to California because I knew they had ratio laws in a union. So I just want to see what nursing was like with those aspects in place. Mm -hmm. And then if you know I went out there and it didn't work, I would just quit nursing, and if not, continue. Mm -hmm. um, but I went out there, and I loved it. So that's how I ended up where I am or where I was in January. And I would just go work for a week and then come mm -hmm. home for a week. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so growing up, uh, you knew that you kind of wanted to get out, mm-hmm. want to try something different, wanted to see if there was other people more like you, maybe, you know, just kind of in that same frame mm-hmm. framework. So you're going through middle school, high school. Did you know, like being in high school, went to America's mm-hmm. High, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um did you kind of know what you wanted to be to be able to kind of get there? Did you always think about being a nurse or what was the kind of the first thoughts like growing up 13, 15 years old? What did you want to be? You know, I can remember my first thought was I wanted to be a surgeon. Okay. Um, but I also did not want to go to school forever. So I ended up choosing nursing. And I think the choice just came from wanting to help people. Mm-hmm. And that just seemed like the most natural choice for me to make. Yeah. You know, yeah, I yeah. didn't have like a burning desire, mm-hmm. I think specifically for nursing. I mm-hmm. think it just made sense. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're a people person, right? You yeah. have a care mm-hmm. for people. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Like where where does that value come from? Mm-hmm. Did did you kind of see that growing up or was it just more your personality? You know, do you have a family member, um, a, a friend? Uh, that you just kind of inspired you to say, yeah, that's I could see myself doing that and just being a people person, helping people mm-hmm. and caring for people. You know, I'll, I think about that, and I can't help but think that I became that or I had the desire to help other people because that's what I needed for myself. Mm. I needed to give myself love, and care. Yeah. <laughs> and instead of focusing on what I needed to do for my own growth, mm-hmm. I think it just I expressed it outwardly to others. Yeah. I didn't really I had no clue that's what I was doing, but as I reflect mm-hmm. back on it, I can't help but think that played a role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're kind of your 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 mind was kind of trying to tell you, and your body was trying to tell you, hey, this is kind of what you need, but it's self projecting out into other people right now, and and mm-hmm. so you're trying to help other people. So 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 nursing became kind of the path for you uh, when you graduated. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were your aspirations? Did you want to go to a specific school, or did you did you like a certain degree of school? You know that that uh, was very popular, or where did you end up? Um, so I started at GSW. I was going to get my bachelor's, and then I just really don't like school. I never have. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so then I transferred to Darton, and okay. I had my I got my associate's degree there. Okay, so you were here maybe a year, probably. Okay, and then transferred right. over mm-hmm. Darton. Okay. Okay. And I have gone back twice to get my nurse practitioner, but I always end up. Saying no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I'm glad that I did because I think I've saved myself mm-hmm. a lot of time and money. How was that move from? Did you, did you actually live in Albany, or did you just go to school mm-hmm. in Albany and just kind of drove back and forth? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. What, what was your first job? What were you doing? Um, e- even if you had like before nursing, it was kind of like what was your first job? What was what was life like then? Uh, so my first job was actually at the fair. Okay. <laughs> it was in high school. What? Uh, we had friend, a friend, Miss Cindy Corbin. She would get us little gigs. So sometimes we would get to work the concerts, which was always fun. And then sometimes you would end up Polish. Is it Polish sausage? Okay. Polish sausage. Okay. The little thing. Of, yeah. That was interesting. 
Um, are making funnel cakes okay. at the Perry Fair. It was fun. Yeah. So you were were you also helping set up and break down the stuff, or just particular um, uh, what do you call it um, vendors? Like yeah, you were just, you helping just out with showed some vendors. up. Okay. And they told you where to go. Okay. How much were you getting paid at that time, or was it uh, free? free pay for them no we got paid okay. and it was good i can't remember the exact number but i remember getting a check and being like Dang, all right this is yeah good. <laughs> that's right i can do this i can do this that's great so you did that did uh-huh. you did you also do that uh how long did you do that for i think i just did that for like, like a one summer. or two years okay. like whenever the perry fair would come to town okay. so it wasn't like a regular yeah, yeah. thing okay um it was a really interesting experience, though. Yeah. So then I was in nursing school, mm-hmm. and I actually was really struggling one semester. And I don't know. It was just so foreign to me, like how hospitals, everything was foreign. And I had I did my clinicals here, mm-hmm. and it was when it was Sumter Regional before the um, tornado. And... Um, I remember going over to do my clinicals the next day in the at the main hospital, mm-hmm. Phoebe. And like even the medicine vials were different. Um, so anyways, it was totally different. And one of the instructors was just like super not nice. Like mm-hmm. it's already super stressful being a nursing student and being in clinicals and it's a scary environment. And she kind of just added like pressure or I allowed her to add pressure. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I had a breakdown, and I ended up deciding to take a semester off and start work as a CNA. Okay. So I worked at Sumter Regional as a certified nursing assistant. Okay. And then finished up with school. And that was, like, really the best thing I could have done because it just got me familiar with that environment yeah. and with the terminology. More like boots on the ground. and Uh-huh. Okay. I wish okay. that I would have done that. At the beginning, it would have been helpful. And I really enjoyed that job. I felt like I could spend more time with the patients. Mm-hmm. And I actually, if I could do it, if I could have lived off a CNA income, yeah, I would have chosen that route mm. over a nursing route. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like you said, you get to spend more time with mm-hmm. with, with people. That's good. That's good. So you end up um, at the main or after clinicals and things like that, after mm-hmm. you do the, the when you go back, mm-hmm. do you end up in Americus or do you end up in Albany? No. Or do you um, end up in California? In Albany. Okay. So I decided when I graduated that I wanted to work at Maine Phoebe because I felt like I would get more experience there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that for about two years, okay. and then I took one travel assignment to California, mm-hmm. um, which was 13 weeks. Then I came home. I ended up in Columbus. Okay. okay. And then also Cordell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've kind of been all over the place. Yeah. And then Atlanta. Okay. So <laughs> going back to growing up in America and saying, I want to kind of get out and see some different perspectives. Mm-hmm. So you were... College, uh, Albany, California, Columbus. Did you get to see a little bit of what you were hoping to see, or did you see? Did you feel still feel yourself disconnected from kind of the general framework of community? Like where was where was your headspace at at that point? Were you getting more excited about the potential of different environments, or 
You what did know, that look like for you? Each place had something different to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I feel like I felt disappointed in our healthcare system as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel as if there's a tendency to give a prescription mm. and just kind of put a Band-Aid over everything and never get to the root. Yeah. And I also understand that in the hospital setting, um, there may not be time for that, but I did feel uncomfortable um, being a part of that. Yeah, yeah. Would you say, kind of just kind of stepping into that, um, would you say that it's more... Are, are things more tuned to trying to deal with symptoms than actually deal with the the problem or the root cause of, of certain things, whether it's a disease or something like mm-hmm. that, where it's you just feel like you're just kind of patching it and you don't really know, like, I feel like that we could figure this thing out on a deeper level, but what we just continue to do is continue to prescribe things mm-hmm. just to get them by, but it's still going to be there. Is that is that kind of what you're describing a little bit as far as medicine and even practices? Like, hey, go home and do this. That may not be the best thing for them. Is that kind of what you're describing? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think about, so the last 12 or 13 years I was in the ER, and I guess what I saw was a lot of people who had a lot of physical complaints and we couldn't find the problem. But when you talk to people most of them are stressed out or most of them had something big happen in their life. So I do feel like emotions present as physical symptoms, especially when you do blood work and imaging and you can't find the cause. Yeah. And I don't feel like that is addressed enough. And I do understand in that setting, there's not time. Mm -hmm. Um, and also, you know, a person has to do their own work to get to the root of that, and that's hard to do as well. Yeah. So I think that's actually how I ended up on the life-slash-health coaching journey is because yeah. I wanted to help bridge that gap. Okay. So you feel like it's, um, you would describe it as not holistic approach to health care. That's right. Is that there's something mm-hmm. missing. We're, we're doing what we can here but we're not able to attach it to the other areas of life or whatever it is. Like you said, what, what's causing these things? Mm-hmm. Sometimes people don't even know, and so mm-hmm. yet we're here. And so patterns and mindsets that just continue to, to pile on each other. And then your body physically starts to respond to these things as well. And so you come into the hospital, you just want your body to stop yeah. or your head to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also parts of that where there's patterns where mm-hmm. they could also help if you step into those as well. So, okay. So, so you're doing that. Um, do you, would you say you found some joy in that of being able to, ha, did you get to see some success in any of that? And you're like, you know, just some success stories that you can look back and say over the last, you know, so many years, I really got to enjoy seeing this person or anything like that. Um, I do recall one time, it was when I worked in Columbus, I would work in the ER and then also in the ICU, and we had this guy who came in, and like as soon as he got on the stretcher, uh, he went into VTAC, and 
we were able to help him. Now, what is VTAC? It's just when your heart's be, it's a lethal rhythm and okay. your heart is just like beating super fast and okay. blood's not pumping like it should. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were able to help him and the next day I came to work in the unit and I saw him sitting up in a chair. Mm-hmm. And that was like the first time that I had seen that type of outcome. Like yeah. we do things that save people's lives, but a lot of time we don't see the end result because they leave us and go to mm-hmm. another area, right? Yeah. Um, so it was just really nice to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I think it would be beneficial if there was actually a way to follow patients through so people in the ER could like go to a bulletin somewhere and see, oh, this patient is here, you know, so we can see the success stories because we see people die, go home or go to another floor. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So it's, I don't know. Yeah. That you feel like that kind of put a toll on you too, right? Just kind of. Tremendously. mm -hmm. And maybe just the group itself, just all of your stories are very difficult stories to share or to tell or to be a part of and then go home and then just try to eat your dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and have normal conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how does how did you deal with that? I de- <laughs> I deal with that in a lot of different ways. One way was just shutting my soul off. Mm-hmm. I got to a point where I just didn't feel things that I should have felt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you just get so used to seeing people die and people mm-hmm. being in pain and suffering that it's like if you're going to survive this environment, you do have to really just shut a part of yourself off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that, and I also found myself. How, how long do you feel like you did that for? Oh, way I mean, too months, long. years, no years. Okay. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. I was not like that when I first started working in the ER. Mm-hmm. Um. But I would say, and I'm not good with time, but maybe two years in, it was kind of just like, it was almost like I felt dead on the inside. Mm. I really did. Yeah. And it wasn't just that. I mean, there were other things that I were not, I was yeah. not dealing with in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um but I do recall just like walking around one day at work and I was still able to be kind to people, mm-hmm. but I couldn't give them what they needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That seems like it's very difficult to be able to have to process mm-hmm. alone. Um, so you use the term burnout. We talked about this a little bit even before mm-hmm. the podcast. Um, do you kind of have a definition or a way you describe this idea, I hear it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Even uh, being uh, in the church world, pastors pastors deal a lot with burnout here. Mm-hmm. Very, very, um, very recently, you hear that a lot. That pastors are going and going, and going, and then they start burning out. Um, and so that that term, I get to hear that term a lot as well. So give me your your thoughts and descriptions of like what burnout means to you, and and when did you start to experience something like that in your mm-hmm. life? Um, so burnout to me is what I just spoke of. I think that's like a late, I don't know. When you feel like your soul 
and when you feel dead on the inside, I feel mm-hmm. like that's kind of beyond burnout. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but I think there's different levels to it. Mm-hmm. Um, how would I describe my definition of burnout? I think when you no longer have the ability to have compassion for others, mm-hmm. you're definitely <laughs> burned out. Um I'm trying to think of like the earlier stages because yeah. I feel like it's sneaky. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Share any any symptoms that you uh-huh. would say, like we would call them symptoms, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe even some things that uh, you recognized early on that was leading to something like mm-hmm. burnout. So, I think that's a really good question, and I think that I really need to take time to look back at that mm-hmm. because I do know there were early signs there had to have been but I just can't yeah. recall like what sticks out in my head the most is like where I was at my worst mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> so we'll just share a little bit about maybe that or at least what led you to mm-hmm. to turn from trying to care for others and then recognizing wait a minute like I, I need to start caring for me and how. Mm-hmm. When when did that shift happen? What yeah. did that kind of happen at the same time? You would say. I would say, not. I felt dead on the inside yeah. for years, mm-hmm. um, and somehow I just kept going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's because I didn't think I had a choice. Yeah. And I knew that I needed to change. Um. Mm-hmm. I think the shift happened. The, I had had multiple shifts. Um, the first one that happened was I was suicidal, mm. and um, I just knew that it wasn't an option for me because I have mm-hmm. a son, and I also yeah. have people that love me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as much as I wanted to end my life. I could mm-hmm. not intentionally put others through that much pain. Yeah. Um, let, let me stop you right there. Mm-hmm. What What do you think? Because I think people, many people probably have some of these thoughts. Mm-hmm. Did it look like on the outside? Could someone look at Katie's life and go, oh, Katie's having those thoughts? Or did it look like, well, you know, she's a hardworking woman. Mm-hmm. She's got kids, family, you know, everything's good. Um, and that was part of the tension too? Or... I mean, was it like, no, my life was super messy and it was just being exposed mm-hmm. and I, I was just trying to process it all. Because I think sometimes when we think about people having those thoughts, it's like, well, it's the person that's probably on the side of the street is probably thinking about it. But is it always? Absolutely not. Like there um, was like a master at covering it up. A hundred percent. And that also had a lot to do with my burnout is, you know, to put this mask on yeah. is exhausting. Yeah. Um, so I would say there were indicators like on my days off, I would be drinking, mm-hmm. like I would go sit on my porch and just drink. Um, and it wasn't like I was getting completely sloshed. There were times that I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like when I had my son, I would just have a couple of beers on my front porch. Mm-hmm. But if I was by myself, um, and he was not around, or I was out at a bar with a friend, I would 
drink a lot. But you would see the pictures of those like on social media. Yeah. And I would be smiling. And unless you were there yeah. and witnessed my mm-hmm. behavior, um, yeah. you would probably think she's pretty damn happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and even like during that time, I did some traveling, like I did a habitat trip mm-hmm. and also I did a missions. I was doing a little bit better when I did a, another trip to Nepal. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of the group, but um, I was struggling then too. Yeah. But if you just were looking at photos mm-hmm. or outside looking in, more than likely yeah. you would have no clue what was going on inside. Yeah. Do you feel like those things, like the, these trips and uh, maybe just getting up and going to work, do you feel like that was just naturally happening as you were feeling that burnout and feeling that that darkness? Or do you feel like some of those stuff was you trying to patchwork it? Like, I'm going to go do this trip because I'm going to try to fix it. I'm going to go do this because I'm going to fix it. Or I just need to continue to do this because it'll... Or was it just, I wasn't even thinking that. I was mm-hmm. just doing what I do and it wasn't getting any better. Mm-hmm. I think what I was doing, honestly, was avoiding healing myself. Yeah. Like I was trying to heal everyone yeah. but me. Mm-hmm. I really do. And I, you know, I love to travel, so that's a draw. But. So you weren't running was, to something, you were actually running away, away from something. Yes. Okay. 100%. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, all right. So let's, let's kind of get into a little bit of how that kind of shaped you and molded you to get to this idea of, okay, I want to pursue uh, working on me. When did that, when did that spark? When did you start? What, what was that mm-hmm. process like for you? That has been a really long process. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say I probably started the process about five years ago. Um, I'm not good with time, though, to be honest. But I would say I probably started about five years ago. Okay. And the first two of those, I think I thought that I was healing Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything that happened five years ago that was just like, all right, I really need to put some more willpower to this, think through it mm-hmm. a little bit more? Is there anything that comes to your mind that's like, yeah, something needs to change? Yeah, I think it was just knowing that I could not continue this way. Okay. Um, and that something had to change. Okay. Was there, was there anybody that was with you that was like, hey, Katie... Kind of notice a few things. I love you. I hope things are going well. Or do you just feel like, no, nah, from the very beginning at this point, it was just just me, you know, just trying to process all these things? Or did you have people around you at the time that was kind of noticing some things or just wanted to encourage you to continue mm-hmm. to move forward? Um, well, I think most people probably did not know at all what was going on internally. Um my sister did call me out on some of my behaviors multiple times, and yeah. it really made me mad, and I did not mm-hmm. listen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was called out. I think I just had to figure it out for myself, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And I do yeah. know that one of the things that really made me want to get it together was when I discovered that Luke, which is my son, mm-hmm. was not listening to my words, but mm-hmm. he was learning from my actions. Okay. 
Yeah. And I, when I discovered that, I can just remember my jaw dropping and being like, I got to get it together. Yeah. How old was he at the time? Probably what, five, six, seven, somewhere around there? Uh, older than that. Okay. I wish I would have known more when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, we were on a trip. Him and my family, um, my sister and her kids came to see me in California. And we went to like Lake Tahoe. And I can remember, I think I pulled a limb back mm-hmm. and it ended up hitting him. And so then somehow we switched areas in the trail and he did the same thing yeah. that I had just done. Yep. And that was the moment that I was like, oh my gosh, he is just doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do as kids. So anyways, that was not that long ago. That was probably three years ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So so you're coming to this realization, uh, trying to process this new perspective of, all right, I need need to work on me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, What were were your, those options in your mind? Okay. Mm -hmm. I need to do something that's different. Where did you go? What were the categories? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, because there's there's different paths that people will take at that moment of like, mm-hmm. all right, I need to do something. Some mm-hmm. people take kind of the more religious path, like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to go to church. I'm trying to figure this thing out, you know, or, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and start reading these books, mm-hmm. or I'm going to go ahead and start following this person. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, five five years ago, I mean, people began to get really influential on Facebook and just different media. So, like, what what were your categories, and then what did you end up kind of pursuing? I tried a lot of different paths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the first path that I tried was the psychedelics. I did a large dose of mushrooms, which okay. I've never done before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had someone with me. That was about five years ago. And I chose that method because I did not want to get on antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a very beneficial experience for me but what I it totally like reset my brain mm-hmm. from this like negative story to like a more positive shift so it did reset my brain but what I didn't do with that reset was look inward mm-hmm. and check myself okay so I just I did have some behavior changes and some different thought changes but I never dug in there. Okay. Okay. Um, so fast forward two years, I'm like, okay, well, I don't really want to do the psychedelics again because I don't feel like I'll be able to function mm-hmm. as a normal human on this planet if I do. Because yeah. it really just opens up yeah. something. So I was like, that's not an option. Um, so I did, I went down a religious path I went down just a spiritual path. I also started on anti-anxiety medicine. Mm -hmm. And then I think the most beneficial one was I finally looked at the things I was so scared to look at, which was myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So what what was some of that first experience? Um, Anything, was there something that you read or heard that's like, hey... Go ahead and start writing down some things about yourself, mm-hmm. whether those 
you know, truths about yourself, lies about yourself. I would assume that that's kind of some of the patterns that you're describing. Mm-hmm. Did you start journaling during this time? Did you just start writing? What what got you to start doing this internally? What does that mean to you? Okay, so when I say internal work, mm-hmm. it means spending time in reflection, mm-hmm. and instead of blaming others, looking yeah. at what role I played in it. Okay. Um, and that's really it. <laughs> that was yeah. a huge thing, was like looking at my behavior mm-hmm. and how I contributed to this situation and what role I played. Another big thing that was very, it was a really huge shift for me was my ex-husband. We did not have good communication during the divorce, and it was very unhealthy on both our parts. Mm -hmm. Um, But he got sick, and he is dead now. But he sent me a message, and he apologized for his behavior Mm -hmm. and said some really nice things to me. And it was so interesting because it was through his apology that I was able to see how my behavior affected him. I never took responsibility for what I did to him. Mm -hmm. And somehow that just like totally shifted. And once I saw like all the crap that I did to him Mm -hmm. (laughs) and acknowledged Mm -hmm. That I'm not this person I thought I was. Yeah. Perfectionist yeah. Patty. Yeah, yeah. Um, I then started looking in other areas and I was like, oh my God. Mm. It's hard. It's hard to look at yeah. things about yourself mm-hmm. that are disappointing mm-hmm. and that you don't like and that you've judged in others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But exist in you. Yeah. That's a big one. Um, So I don't know. And, you know, I have, I spend a lot of time, quiet time. I meditate a lot, which isn't always quiet, actually. There's a lot of chatter. But I allow space for things to come up. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I receive a lot of guidance Mm -hmm. from what I don't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I do believe. There is a spiritual element to all of us, Mm -hmm. and I do believe we can receive guidance and love and comfort if we believe that it exists and Mm -hmm. we ask for it. There is something greater that's happening. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... I don't uh... know how to explain it, really, but... No, it's good because there are, I mean, we've got, we come from a place where, um, man, our minds are so powerful and, um, and we're, I believe that we are story formed people, um, which is why stories work so well Mm -hmm. for us. Um, I read a really good book called, um, it's actually called the other half of the church, but it just describes the right brain activity. Mm -hmm. Um, it spends the whole time just describing the right brain functions more in stories and nonverbal things. And we're formed by that. And then the left brain begins to work and begins to think critically about those things. So the moment you start thinking, your right brain has already done the work. Mm-hmm. And so you're you're very, you don't even know that it's happening. And so when things happen to our lives and we begin to like think through them and the actions and the attitudes that we have are based on the stories that have already been formed in mm-hmm. us to say, well, I receive it that way. And so therefore I will think of it this way. Mm-hmm. And so... 
really wrestling with how God created our brains and why he created them that way and then being able to really dive into that. It takes a lot of introspection. takes a lot of time. Um, I was going to ask you, uh, because you described, you know, just trying to deal with a lot of your 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 internal um, uh, attitude um, and actions, did they manifest themselves more like in a passive way where people didn't know that you were kind of that way, mm-hmm. but you just kind of kept storing it up and that was kind of eating you up like, man, or, or did it come out sometimes and like, no, like people would say, like, don't get on Katie's nerves because, mm-hmm. you know, it'll come out. You know, what was that? Yeah. What did that look like? How did it actually? I think that it was very pushed down. Like, okay. Someone could do something to me that I didn't like, and instead of like speaking up and saying something, I would just smile or laugh and then walk away. Yeah, um, yeah. I have thousands of stories like that, and yeah. some of the things that I've laughed at that people have done to me mm-hmm. are horrific. Yeah, it's really that bothers me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much for myself anymore because mm-hmm. I'm trying to improve that, but for other people who experience mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, but I do, I mean, there are moments where I explode. Like, I can think of quite a few times where I would, like, yell at my son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And reflecting on it, it would be like, A, that was unnecessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> B, like... What are you creating in him when you do that? What are you showing him? And see, is that healthy? Yeah. (laughs) And so I have had many times during parenting where I've just feel like I was saying sorry all the time. Mm -hmm. And it might not even be like yelling. It might even be my tone. You know, Mm -hmm. like he would say something and my tone would be off. It wouldn't even be related to him. It would be because I'm stressed out about Mm -hmm. something. Um, But what I've learned is I'm doing the best I can with where I'm at. B, I'm acknowledging my imperfections and I'm trying Mm -hmm. to do better. Um, I'm teaching him and showing him what it is to be human Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that it's okay and forgiveness. Mm and there was one other point, but I lost it. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, you know that that word forgiveness is very powerful. Um, what does that what what does that mean to you? Like, how do you how do you utilize that for for yourself or for others? Mm-hmm. What is that? I think forgiveness is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think forgiveness of self mm-hmm. is where it starts. Honestly. Um, because once you're able to forgive your... This has been my experience anyways. As I have been able to be kinder to myself and forgive myself, mm-hmm. I have found it a lot easier to extend that to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's... So you, you've you taken this and you've kind of given, your op, given an opportunity to become a life coach. So that's in the last kind of two years, you've been kind of on this journey. And then the last mm-hmm. year, you've kind of gone through uh, a, a program and then got certified. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that journey now, kind of coming into this. Okay, self-realization, I need to step into this. Tell us a little bit about the last year of your life. Um, 
the last year. Can I just start with since January? That's great. <laughs> okay. So January, I was at work and I was looking around and I just knew I have felt called to coaching and mm -hmm. I don't know if how it's going to show up and how it's going to work out, but I have felt a pull to teach people about self-awareness and self-discovery because I don't want anyone to suffer the way that I suffered. And I also want, in general, for us as a world try to eliminate this perfectionism mm -hmm. and to eliminate like hidden sides of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like how I spoke about when I get upset or irritated, sometimes it'll come out by me yelling with my son. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's something in me that feels like by me sharing things that I'm not proud of or things that I might would naturally, as any human would, want to hide. Yeah. But I, I feel like by me sharing these things gives other people safety and space and the understanding that it's okay to be how you are and to be who you are, mm -hmm. but to learn to embrace who that person is and to not be mean, mm -hmm. but to just try to do better and try mm -hmm. to learn, which will then extend to everyone else there around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now that's a good. I mean the the idea that you know everyone is that we the world that we live in is very broken. I mean, we can all agree to that to some degree. I mean, even with my children growing up, you know, at two years old, I'm telling them mostly what not to do because, you know, they, they always find themselves just kind of grasping for things. Mm -hmm. You know, the list goes on, whatever the list is, you know, they, they have the natural tendency to not do whatever it is that I said, even if it's good for them, don't eat that cake. They're yeah. like, oh, okay, I'm not, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so, uh, or, or whatever it may be. And so we feel that tension. We don't know what to do with it. We don't know why things are broken. We don't even know why we're broken. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and, and coming to that realization that I need something, you know, outside of myself to help me to, 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 to deal with this. Like what, what is there that's available to me so that I can get some healing? Um, and so that's, it's very important that we get to that place, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I just did a, you know, a few weeks ago, I was talking a little bit about um, uh, Jesus meets this man at the pool of Bethesda, and he's been there for 38 years. He's been lame for 38 years, and he asked him this question. He says, do you want to be healed? And the idea here is, it's not just, hey, do you want to be healed from this physical element, but do you really want to be whole? Mm-hmm. And for that guy, kind of the conversation, it was a very short conversation, but for, for that guy, uh, 38 years, he kind of got comfortable with where he was. And I think that's times, mm -hmm. what, this is what we're describing is, when we come to this realization, like, like do I need to be comfortable or do I really want to be healed? Do I mm -hmm. really, because I know what this looks like. I know what this pain looks like. I know what this hurt looks like. Mm -hmm. But there's an offer on the table but I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that jump looks like. And, and this is what he's offering. And, and we've got to wrestle with, hey, 
do we really want it or we kind of want to stay where we're at? And so you've, you've, you've got to wrestle with that. Um, and that's kind of this idea of, okay, all right, um, healing is something that we all need. And it's, and it's hard to, it's hard to embrace that because what you're saying is there's some, there's something that I have to work through Mm -hmm. and it, and it is difficult, you know, um, whether it's small or big, you know, your own mind, you know, where your Mm -hmm. mind goes. And, and so those things are really, really important. So, so, so your, your aim is to, to find people that are kind of just going through this stage of their life. Um, tell us a little bit about your, the eight week kind of program mm-hmm. that you're kind of working on. What, what is it called? Um, so I teach an eight week program and one is for adults, one is for corporations and one is for kids. And basically it is a self-awareness program Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of like eight weeks on go, you go on a journey of self exploration and just observing yourself and getting to know different parts of yourselves, like your critter brain, um, you know, or that negative self talk. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's referred to like the voice of judgment versus the voice of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, also teach within that course, different tools to kind of help self-regulate, like breathing exercises, meditation. Um, And I think how I I ended up doing this particular course, and this is something that happens to me all the time, and I absolutely love it, is I was at work, and I put a side sign up and I was just saying that I was struggling and I was wondering what other nurses did to help enjoy their time while they're at work mm-hmm. because I just I had exhausted all methods yeah <laughs> and it wasn't working but what I found was nobody really had any answers I got like food and I got a lot of love and support but nobody had a solution and mm-hmm. I was like that is really interesting So then I was like, what is the solution? Like, what is it? And I'm always asking questions like Mm -hmm. that. But anyways, that's when a month or two later, I was offered this free course that I now teach. Mm -hmm. But I took that course and I applied the tools in my personal life Mm -hmm. and in my work life. And everything shifted. Mm. I realized, like, a lot of my misery was my own fault. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I had a lot to do with my thoughts. Um, I learned how to regulate my nervous system. So I wasn't, like, constantly in panic mode, which Mm -hmm. I had spent, like, my whole life in. Um, It helped me with judging not only others but myself. So it just being present and mindful with patience... Like, it was a game changer. Yeah. It's embarrassing to say, Mm -hmm. like, because I feel like these are things I should have been doing all along, Um, but I wasn't. You know, like I would be in a room with a patient and I would be thinking about the 50 other things I needed to do and trying to figure out which one I needed to do first. But they feel that. Mm -hmm. And when I stopped all that, because I thought this would make me get the work done faster, right? Mm -hmm. But what I learned was when I was present with people and just calmed down, everything was fine. Mm -hmm. And it was, 
I can just remember like walking around that ER and it was like a level one trauma center mm-hmm. and COVID was happening and I found peace even when all this chaos mm-hmm. was going on and I was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's very impactful. I mean, you got, um, you know, you've, one of the things that we do here just within the podcast is just reminding ourselves to be, you know, good neighbors, to be what we call next level neighbors. Mm-hmm. And um, being present with people is so important. And um, not, again, not thinking about the 10 to, to next things. Uh, and if we can get even back to that, just in our personal lives, you know, with just out and about, you know, just recognizing that mm-hmm. people are there and, and people are going through a lot and you have no idea um, what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you can't stop for every single person, but there are moments where, you know, um, you'll see somebody and, and, and it's just that time. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important to be present as much as possible. That's mm-hmm. that's being a good neighbor is someone who's present yeah. uh, and just willing to be there um, and has that open posture of, hey, you might not want to talk today because you're just taking out the trash, but just know... You know, whenever you're ready to talk, I'd love mm-hmm. to spend some time with you. So that's that's really huge. Well, let's talk a little bit about, even in light of that, just talking about Americus and talking a little bit about the future of Americus. Uh, when I moved into Americus last year, I felt, uh, just initially, I'm, I'm not from the area, so I'm like, okay, there's a little bit of buzz here. It's a nice little area, small town. Everyone kind of knows everybody. Mm-hmm. So that that feels good. But then there's even been some like, things that, uh, whether it's work-related or new businesses, like there's a buzz that's like, hey, Americus has the potential to like mm-hmm. grow and things like that. Um, but you being from Americus, looking to the future of Americus, whether you're here or not, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You want to stay. Uh, what are what are some things when you think about the future of Americus that you would like to see take place mm-hmm. uh, for it to be healthy? and? You know, I have always felt like Americus has a ton of potential. I really have, and I do want to say that it took me leaving here to learn to appreciate the things about America. Like, I do. Yeah. I love America now. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the small town. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what I feel like, I don't know. I feel like we need to just bring more people in. I don't know mm-hmm. how you do that, but... Yeah. But I feel like it's going to happen, to mm-hmm. be honest, because people are tired of, people are trying, I feel like, to move to this slower pace living. Mm-hmm. Um, so the answer to your question is, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I think, I think having more people here, I think is, you know, and then you've got, uh, yeah, and then just trying to figure out, I think I asked someone uh, here in the city, you know, what is what is kind of a common goal that everyone can kind of get around? Mm-hmm. And I think America's is anywhere between fifteen and 17,000 people. When someone just mentioned, like, I'd like to see, let's say, twenty to 25,000 people. Okay, mm-hmm. well, that's a, it's a great goal, right? That's, that's, that kind of gives us, okay, well, what do we need? Infrastructure, businesses, you know, all that kind of stuff, apartments, you know, mm-hmm. like, how do you get people here? But, yeah. um, 
but yeah, I mean, this 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 city uh, can thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a lot of opportunities for people to come and hear the history of it. Um, I'm really excited about um, even the historic uh, colored hospital that's being changed into a mm-hmm. museum that's from cool. what I heard. And then they'll have an amphitheater over there. Um, but then there'll be another, uh, the the Brown Park that's coming, uh, which I'm really excited about. Um, and and they're, they're, they're going to have an amphitheater there as well. So it seems like they're trying to put some things together mm-hmm. and businesses are coming in. So definitely have a lot of potential for that. Um, what, uh, in light of kind of whatever that future is, um, what are some things that you, you want to see just in everyday people as you meet them, as you talk mm-hmm. with them? What, what, what are you hoping for them? Um, even if you get a chance to like some coach, you know, kind of what's your, what's your pitch to people mm-hmm. when they're asking like, hey, I want to be a part of what you're doing. Um, how, do you, how do you kind of share that with them to kind of get them ready? I have a hard time verbalizing what I do, and I also have not been able to figure out how to make people want to do this work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I've thought about that a lot because I've I've had a lot of struggles with marketing and sales, mm-hmm. and it's stuff I got to work through. So the conclusion that I came to was just to show people. Mm-hmm show up as the best version of myself mm-hmm. and let that attract and draw people in who are ready for a change mm-hmm. and to know that I can provide a safe container yeah. for them to show all parts of themselves yeah, and know that I will not judge them mm-hmm. because I cannot judge them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what would you say uh, if someone if someone is probably looking for a life coach? Mm-hmm. What what are some what are some uh, ingredients characteristics? Like let's say someone's trying to process that. Like mm-hmm. why would I need a life coach? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some things that you would say? Hey, if you're doing this or thinking this way or a part of this, you probably need a life coach. Whether that's mm-hmm. me or someone, yeah. consider that. What are what are some markers? that helps people to process? Because they might hear a life coach like, yeah, uh, is that like a counselor? Mm-hmm. You know, um, what, what, how do I know I need a life coach? I think that if you're, and there are different types of life coaches yes. or coaches for everything, mm-hmm. but I feel like if you're looking around and you're really not digging the life that you're living, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're bored, there's no joy, you know you're meant for more, but you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those would be great indicators that you could benefit from a life coach. Um, so I would say that if you're ready to kind of peel back some layers and take some actions, mm-hmm. um Coaching is really well because it is very action driven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that might have been part of the holdup with therapy is like you go to therapy, you talk for an hour, but then you don't meet again for another month. Yeah. And so it's like, so for me, I think the big difference was like the actions that you take, like whether it's you meditate for one minute a day or journaling for 10 minutes a day mm-hmm. or 
doing deep breathing throughout the day. When you feel yourself that you're about to lose it, instead of losing it or eating a chocolate chip cookie, you take some mm-hmm. deep breaths. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Stay away from the cookies. They're too good. Um, all right. Well, let's go ahead and step in. We're going to kind of get ready to um, kind of follow up and kind of finish up on a few things. But we always love to do rapid fire questions at the end. It gives us a chance to get to know you a little bit more on a personal level. Um, and so it, and it's just uh, it's good. Good to get to know somebody from, you know, just smaller questions as well. So uh, let me ask you uh, this particular question. Um when you think about your time and your scheduling and your kind of your pattern of life, at what time of day do you get your best work done? Between 5 a.m. and 9 a.m. Nice. Mm-hmm. Is that because it feels like everything's quiet mm-hmm. and you can get it done and uh, no one's like calling you or texting you? Or, yeah, yeah, that's good. All right. Um, with this life coaching um, and being an RN for a while and, and then retiring from there, what occupation would you like to try outside of what you're already doing? I would love to travel the world and study spirituality in different cultures and create a book Mm -hmm. where I just kind of have cool photos and then Mm -hmm. little blogs about each different one. Yeah, like little descriptors Mm -hmm. and things like that. All right. yeah, I, I just got back from uh, from Israel and uh, cool. did, did some traveling there, and, and hopefully I'll be able to go to Turkey here uh, in the next few years. So it's a really, really cool place. It's, it's yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so what about, do you have a favorite uh, activity, family activity or friend activity that you like to do? What are you, what are you into when you think about activities? When I think of activities, I think about being in nature and I think about art, and I think about exploring areas that I've never been. All right. That's good. Uh, if you could eliminate one thing from your daily routine, what would it be and why? Oh, that's a good one. If I could eliminate one thing from my daily routine. That's a good question mm-hmm. and very hard. Yeah. Huh. I feel like maybe this would have been easier a while back, but I've done a lot of work to mm-hmm. try to make things that I don't like enjoyable. Yeah. So I yeah. bring it. Oh. Um, I gotcha. So I don't know. Okay. Okay. What comes that's to okay. mind is make my bed, but I don't mind yeah. making my bed. I actually enjoy that process. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't know. No, that's fine. That's fine. Having to clean up the house. There I don't you do go. that daily. So. Yeah, that's right. Daily. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay. If you could be on a reality TV show, uh, which one would you choose and why? Hmm. I don't really know. I know Bravo has like the housewives. Okay. I don't think I'd want to be on that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Survivor. Oh, no, I definitely don't want to be. Yeah, yeah. Do you <laughs> like the home improvement shows or like buying a new house or any like me and my wife love those shows like, you know, people trying to buy houses, renovate houses. Are you into that? I probably, I don't know. Is there one where they like just travel and hang out and get I'm to know sure people? I'm sure of it, yeah. That yeah, would be the yeah. one. What is it, the, the Great Race or the Big Race or something yeah, like that? Race. The Amazing Race. You could do that. Mm-hmm. Just travel up as fast as you can. That, that might be really cool. 
All right. Um, uh, do you have a favorite restaurant here in Americas or anywhere? Do I have a favorite? I have such a hard time with favorites because. Or give me your top three. Top three. Yeah, okay. top three. So here you or can, just world? Here or anywhere, yeah. Anywhere. I'll just stick with here. Okay. So I really am a fan of La Hacienda. Okay. I'm really a fan of Little Brothers Bistro, and I'm really a fan of Sweet Georgia Bakery. Nice. Nice. Good places. Absolutely. All right, last question. What do you do to relax? I do a lot of different things to relax. Okay. Artwork helps me relax. Painting, drawing, mm-hmm. scribbling. Um, meditation helps me relax, although sometimes... I can get pretty restless in that space, but mm-hmm. when I'm in a good spot, meditation <laughs> yeah. helps me relax. Breath, breath work, stretching, yoga. Do you remember the last thing that you painted? Yes, it's a dog, and it's on my um, table right now. Awesome. I like to paint people's animals okay. when they pass. Yeah, I don't know. Why? Because I don't have pets, but mm-hmm. it just feels special to be able to give somebody yeah. something that they love. That's great. That's <laughs> great. No, that, I love that. Um, well, Katie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, sharing a little bit of your story, what you're doing now. Um, and as we step into the future, whether that be the next five minutes or five days or five years, uh, I'm glad to get a chance to get to know you as a neighbor here in Americus. And hopefully when we see each other, obviously we'll just continue our conversation. So thank you so much, Katie. Thank you. It was fun. <laughs> All right. You did great. Did I? I, did I, I worry about? What did you worry about?